0: The power cast.
1: everybody, what's happening? You're listening to the TonCast. I'm your host, Crixley. And today we've got someone very, very special to me. Uh, we actually worked together at a studio. Uh, he had a show called Film Pigs, which was awesome. And they had like one of the coolest sets I've ever seen with, like, 50-year-old candy in it. So, like, every time I went in to record my own podcast, they were like, don't eat the candy. I was like, I'm just looking.
2: You know, I'm like, I'm just looking.
1: Don't eat the candy. Uh, he's, he's also been in, if you're if you're familiar with the show, Just Add Magic, American Vandal. Uh, one of my other favorite shows was uh, You're the Worst, and he was uh, Vernon Barbara, Dr. Vernon
2: Barbara. the The doctor. You
1: had the, what was it, the trash? Was it the trash can? booze
2: it trash exactly. juice yeah it was booze trash in a juice, trash can yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so say hello to our guest Todd Robert Anderson
2: Hello everybody I'm good thank you for having me on your show I'm I'm very excited to, to be here Yeah so what have you been up to Uh well it's been very hot so uh I've been hiding inside um I've been Utterly stressed out about uh, sharing this house with my 14 year old boy uh, all the time as he distance (laughs) learns. Uh, He just started his freshman year of high school yesterday as a distance learner, and it's been stressful because we're we have spectrum. We're uh,
1: oh, yeah, I heard about uh, this
2: on the spectrum, as they say. Um, (laughs) which means we're given to sudden fits of anger due to our, uh, our internet service. So it pops out, it pops on, you know, and he gets popped off of his Zoom meetings like he's in the middle of class and we've had a couple like panics where I'm trying to figure out how to, get the wi-fi working again for it's just been it's been insane and not getting the emails and my wife is a school teacher uh she teaches in elementary school and they're distance learning and she's like been on the other end of it so i'm on the parent end and she's on the teacher end where people for whatever reason they don't get the email with the meeting inviter. they they can't figure out how to get the zoom to work. you know it's all it's just all bananas
1: Well, my hope would be, I mean, because I I know what your wife's going through. I actually studied to be a teacher and then realized, uh, you know, they say, and she's probably heard this too, they say that within the first six months of actually teaching, you'll know whether or not you're going to be a teacher for the rest of your life. And for me, that wasn't the case. For me, it was just, um, I think, I don't even know. I think I just kind of remembered that I wanted to be an actor and you know, that's what I was coming to California to do, not to be a teacher. And, uh, so I stepped away from it, but I can certainly understand the stress. My hope would be just because there is so much access to social media. Sorry. I have a Chihuahua who keeps banging the bottom, you know, gizmo Gizmo's like, he does the mommy, 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 mommy. Like he'll just sit there and he'll just completely scratch at my belly yeah. until I go, Wah! and he's like, hi. Um,
2: well, at least well, it's not bad on the mic because because I have a cat, and if she wants attention, she will incessantly <laughs> meow incessantly. I call her my uh, uh, my podcast cat. She's like a bodega cat, but for podcasts because she frequently appears.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to take Gizmo with me all the time to my podcasts. Uh, uh, but but uh, sorry, I keep rambling. Um, my my hope is is they're a they're recording the Zoom sessions because you can do that. You can record your zoom session and be that they're like, I wish YouTube would maybe come up with a way to help these teachers or Vimeo or somewhere where they can then take those zoom meetings and upload them so that the kids, you know, even, you know, for me, I'm a very visual person and I'm a hands-on person. So like when I was in college, I would have a lot of problems because I wouldn't take notes because I would rather listen and see what was happening. Um, but I did realize that if I could actually see a video and do it at the same time, that it helped my situation out a lot. Um, and I think that's what a lot of kids are missing now is because they can't really, like if they're doing the free Zoom, you only have like 40 minutes. So it's not like they can raise their hand and say, hey, can you, can you please explain this again? And there's so many kids out there that already have this like anxiety when it comes to asking questions or, you know, test anxiety, but especially questions and in, in front of their peers, because you always get that one kid that, you know, you raise your hand, and you're like, sorry, can you explain that? are like, geez, what are you stupid? You know? So like, and that's why in one way I do like being, the, the kids are being done online like this because we have to, but at the same time for me, uh, I feel like if a kid if a child is homeschooled they're missing some of that social interaction you know and and I'm only speaking for myself y'all I'm not speaking for Todd or anyone else but I've I've come from from backgrounds where I was isolated for a few years because I uh, my IQ like I went from kindergarten I was in kindergarten for two days to the first grade and I never felt so like out of place in my whole life I was just like okay I'm here I might as well just just try this and that's that's left me with this sense of like, I don't, I'm not in the right group. Um, I don't think I belong here. You,
2: you got, you got sent a year ahead. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. They wanted to send me two years ahead and my dad, the second straight to second grade. And my dad was like, no, um, like he was almost on the fence about letting me in to that first year, uh, into first grade. And for me, it kind of backfired because, uh, because of being on the spectrum and, and, and these things, I get bored super fast. And once I get bored with something, I'm over it. I'm done. Right. Um, and it could be something that I've loved for ages, uh, but I get bored. I'm done. And that's kind of what happened with school. Um, it was just like, I got bored. So it, and they, they didn't know what to do with me. So, you know, finally my principal, when I went, when I transferred to high school in Hawaii was like, she doesn't need to be here. <laughs> Like, like you could go to community college and, you know, at least, and the thing that got me to go to college was, he said this, you can program what time you want to get up in college. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want your first class to be until like 1130, if you want classes up until nine o'clock at night, do that. And that was the thing that kicked in. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to college. So I, I totally know what your son's going through, too. And plus, he's missing out on this whole experience that you and I had. Like, I went to high school in the 80s. I wouldn't give it up for anything. My high school life was, was pretty much like 16 Candles and Pretty and Pink and stuff like that. And he's not getting that same experience right now. No. You know, like, I, I, my heart broke for all the college students and all the high school kids that didn't get to graduate. Like, they graduated, but they didn't get to graduate like I graduated.
2: Or you graduated, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's messed up, but I I do think it's necessary. I don't think that the ultimate fallout of not having been to your graduation ceremony is going to have any real psychological effect long-term. As far as being social, part of me was like, is heartbroken that he's – because his high school is really cool – Uh, You know, it's a charter school. It's an arts and science school. You know, they have a TV studio and a great theater program. It it looks like I would have been in heaven if I had gone to high school there. Me, freshman year, uh, going the first day was terrifying. I was just uh, concerned about all the people who were going to now beat the shit out of me because I was going from, you know. Yeah, because we
1: uh, were senior bait. (laughs) Yeah. I
2: I was going from a, a junior high school where I got beat up plenty to a place where there were twice as many potential beater uppers uh, so for me it was a little terrifying but yeah I agree with you the social thing is important but you know uh, you know my kid is is smart and reasonable and as much as hard as this is he's taking it very well and he understands the reality of the pandemic and he doesn't want to get sick and he doesn't want to get his mother sick and he doesn't want to get his grandmother sick you know so it, he gets it. Um, no,
1: I totally agree. I don't think any of these kids should be in school right now. I just, I completely empathize with their plight, but uh, I just kind of went off the rails a little bit because the whole thing for me was uh you know, maybe seeing if these teachers are are archiving their classes. I know it's a pain in the ass, but it would be good, especially for some of the, you know, like math. Like math would be one that I would, I would immediately ask can we record this or maybe like the you know or the child like because you have the ability to record I think on your end of on the other end of zoom if you're not the host I think you just have to ask permission or something
2: right I think so yeah well and and I know that my wife's school uh they use or, or at least they're they're using the paid version of zoom and I think they're getting the like pro zoom or whatever it is. So she doesn't have limits to recordings. Uh, and it, it's my understanding that she is recording her classes. Uh, so anyone who has a tech problem that she can, you know, s- send, get them a link to that uh, video. Uh, but like we were saying off mic, before we started recording zoom is not like their recordings can get wonked by internet connections or whatever yeah. else. So it's not entirely reliable, but, uh, uh, she, she does do it. So, so she's ahead of the game there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's, a uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny to watch. Um, I've been watching some of the videos from this last time around when they did the schooling through and, uh, one mom caught her kid like cheating on his test. He's like had his phone next to him and he's like checking up <laughs> the answers and stuff. And so, um, I just, I just feel bad that, that this is the world that, that, you know, that these young adults are coming into um, and seeing how things shouldn't be done, but they are done. And I honestly can't wait till November. <laughs> mm. Like, I don't care. It's, it's, it's uh, I mean, I, I do care, but I'm just like, I, today was a, another round of like, Tell Michelle Obama, somebody remind her. I was like, tell her yourself.
2: Yeah. You can. You can call your politicians. Well, she's not really in office and
1: Well, no, Trump was like, could someone please remind Michelle Obama that Oh, I know, missed that. Okay. On Twitter, yeah, he uh Trump went off on Obama Michelle after she did her thing last night at the DNC and of course ended it with it is what it is and that it is what it is. Right. And Trump went off on this huge Twitter spree and was like, somebody please explain to Michelle Obama. I was like, I can explain it to her yourself. What did they, like, what did he
2: want people to explain to her?
1: Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, it was, it's literally the funniest thing I've read like all day. Um, cause it's a pretty big tirade. Uh, let me see. In the meantime, uh, did you watch a DNC last night?
2: no you know i i didn't uh i completely forgot it was happening last night i and i think i I turned it on for a moment before my son my son is very news averse uh so before he came in and made me shut it off i saw a little bit i think of bernie sanders giving a fiery uh video chat um (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the- yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, you know, the, the DNC is all well and good. If it gets people fired up, great. Uh, I don't need it. Uh, to. My, my mind is already made up. I know how I'm voting. Not, like, the VP appointment, none of it has mattered to me. I, I just... I, sure. You know, the primaries only mattered to me in that I had certain candidates who... I'm more in line with but that's not what was chosen um, and uh, but it doesn't matter because uh, for me the bigger problem is Nazis. I am I just don't like Nazis. When people ask me what my political opinion is I say look I don't like Nazis and that's how I vote. I vote against Nazism. That's my vote. So uh, you know take that's, that as yeah, you will.
1: Yeah pretty much. <laughs> oh okay so I, I found it. So he said Somebody please explain to Michelle Obama that Donald J. Trump would not be here in the beautiful White House if it weren't for the job done by your husband, Barack Obama. Biden was merely an afterthought, a good reason for that very late and unenthusiastic endorsement. My administration, and it goes to a second tweet, my administration and I built the greatest economy in history of any country, Turned it off, saved millions of lives, and am now building an even greater economy than than it was before. Jobs are flowing. Nasdaq is already at a record high. The rest to follow. Sit back and watch. I don't know anyone that lies as much as he do. He does. It's crazy. It's. I mean, this is like a kid with like freaking cupcake frosting all over his face. It's like, did you eat a cupcake? Nah. <laughs> You sure you didn't eat that cupcake? No. Yeah,
2: well, no, the except the said, people who are asking him, "Did you eat that cupcake?" Immediately go. Of course, you didn't eat that cupcake because yeah. he's no, a that's cult just leader. Stuff. Yeah.
1: He just. I, it's like when he said Biden was merely an afterthought, a good reason for that very late and unenthusiastic endorsement. Um, that's kind of how he was with pets. Like, it, and I don't know. He says a lot of shit, and I'm just like, but. You did that. Yeah. You did that too. And you know, uh, yeah, Biden was kind of a late endorsement, but who cares? He's running out. He's running against you. That's all that matters to me right now. Like we'll figure it. We'll like fucking shift it all out. We'll fix it in post, whatever. But like right now,
2: my main concern is you out of office. That's that's it. That's the quote of this election cycle: is we'll fix it in post anyone who has that that reservation about Biden not sure it, fuck that it will fix it in post we'll 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 get more progressive once we get Trump out of office but if we don't get Trump out of office and you know Mitch McConnell out of the friggin' Senate then it won't matter we won't it doesn't matter we won't change nothing's going to progress as long as these people are in office that's all there is to it
1: i mean the the only way I've found any of this kind of humorous is because of this show on Showtime called our American president. Have you seen this show? The the Stephen Colbert produced one? Yeah. I don't
2: have Showtime. Oh,
1: you don't have Showtime. Uh, I think you can, you can, you can, uh, buy seasons through prime, uh, video, but it's basically, yeah, this kind of hyper realized version of, of Donald Trump and, uh, and I think he's—I want to say—he's voiced by. Ugh. anyway. So, um, but they've got people in there like Griffin Newman as Jared Kushner and and like William Sadler and all these people. But it's basically almost real time. And compare as to what's going on. So like this last season, they covered the impeachment and, uh, Pence—the character that—and um, Mike Pence's character basically just flips out at Trump, and is and, and is like do not get impeached. Don't leave me here. I can't make a decision on my own. He's like, you better not fucking get impeached. And, and I always thought that too. I was like, man, if Trump gets out of office, what the hell is Pence going to do? He's going to yeah. have an anxiety attack. So the, the way that, that the, that the crude our American president covered it, like I laughed my ass off. Cause he's, he's, a uh, he's voiced by John Viner, who people will know from like Duncanville, but mostly family guy. Uh, he, um, he voices Pence and he, so he gives his Pence this like milk toast kind of thing he's like hey I'm Mike Pence I'm religious da, da, da. so it makes it even funnier when like Pence kind of bikes out like an F word because he doesn't swear the entire series but you see him and his wife they're just like these religious weirdos and it's just like the our American president is the only thing that makes me like feel a little bit better about the situation we're in because everything they're doing on the show has actually happened already.
2: Okay. In, so it sounds like it's, time. it's, it's good satire. Cause one of the things, very good satire. One of the things that's, I feel like American satire, political satire has really fallen short uh, ever since Trump took office, because it's almost like if you wrote the absurd shit that he does and that his cult of followers believe, like if you had written that before this, people have been like, no, that's too much that that nobody's going to believe that it's it's not going to register. So it's I think it's I think it's just hard to write satire right now because it's so insane and it's not it's like we were going to do this uh, last week and we had to reschedule and I remember we were talking about like, hey, let's make jokes about Smash Mouth. You know, talk about the Smash Mouth situation. Oh, and yeah. And that was like a week ago, and it already feels like it was years ago. It's like, oh, we can't talk yeah, about right. the Smash Mouth <laughs> thing now because it's so it's like old, and who cares? Because s- more nut shit happens. So how do you how do you satirize something that is is a parody of itself? It's just the problem is. While it's a parody of itself, he's literally destroying the country and the world along with it.
1: Yeah, and the smartest thing about this show is that if this is not a ringing endorsement to watch this show, then I don't know what is. The thing about the show and the way they write it is that there are some people that you absolutely despise in real life that you love in the cartoon. Ted Cruz because when Ted Cruz comes on, he goes, Ted Cruz! Ted, Cruz, Ted, Cruz, Ted, Cruz, Ted Cruz, he's always screaming his name. And then like, he's my favorite character on the show um, because he literally pisses Donald Trump off every time he's on. And I'm just like, anybody who makes Donald Trump mad is good with me. Uh, and then Ivanka's character as well, like everything's about her no matter where she is. And it's like her business and she calls Jared Jarhead <laughs> and she talks like this. And then like Eric has like this huge cleft palate and he's kind of like, um, he's like, he's like Meg from family guy, like everybody in the Trump family, like he is the Meg.
0: huh.
1: But I, yeah, if you can, if you're willing to buy it on Facebook, on Amazon Prime, yes, you can buy the seasons, or just subscribe, or if you subscribe to Showtime, like Showtime's got some great stuff. Showtime should buy my show, actually.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh, uh, I wanted to ask you something um, because this is something that's very, very present right now. I have friends that are actually going to lose their insurance at the end of this month. Uh, mm. The shady shady business that SAG has pulled with the health insurance and the timing of it and you know so where are you sitting on this right now because this has got to be stressful for you
2: uh yeah I mean I I've been in a stressful place really since 2019 like 2019 was not a good year for me uh uh professionally uh and tripping into this year obviously uh, it's it's like a one-two punch so I was already like am I going to qualify because SAG has as you know but tell your listeners you know the there was uh, uh, two plans in SAG it was a two-tier health plan and there was plan one and plan two plan one had more to it it had uh, you know eye doctors better dental all that stuff um, uh, and plan two you know, was more costly as far as uh, premiums and deductibles and all that. Um, but to make plan one, you had to annually, you would have to make, a, it was close to like $36,000. And then uh, to be in plan two, I think it was like, at the end there was probably like nine or 10. I, I, I'm i not sure. Um, but now that's gone it's one plan you have to make $26,000 to qualify for it um, or
1: like 13,000 before January 1st or something like that I heard so yes yeah, I'm,
2: I'm going with the like main changes that are going into effect in January but but the, you know the point is is there's so many people like and already it was only 20% of the membership that qualified for any health insurance so 80% of the union was already not insured by this health plan uh, so to to create this situation where all the working class actors uh, are not working, they, none of them are working. They haven't been working all year. Uh, so most people are not going to make that twenty six thousand uh, uh, dollar cutoff. They're not. They're not because they haven't. They haven't fucking worked. <laughs> so you know, unless there there were residuals rolling in for, from other stuff, they're they're just effectively kicking everybody off a health plan uh, who isn't ludicrously rich um, it, in the middle of a fucking pandemic. And their, and their excuses are, uh, I ha- I, I'm, I'm attending their webinar uh, actually tomorrow, um, but they have been giving webinars and I have a friend who attended the webinar yesterday. And uh, some of the things he said that these the trustees were saying, like I was like, you got to be kidding me! It's so the it, it, the the leadership of the union has come to sound so Trumpian. So it's not my fault. Why are you blaming me? It is what it is. I mean, that's what these fucking people are saying. Uh, former SAG president Richard Mazer in the in the webinar said, "Look, anyone who told you that this plan would be around forever." was making a mistake that 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 was what he said and then uh, another dude said look this is a systemic problem with our country the healthcare in this country is terrible we're just as a as the board of trustees we're just responding to a societal problem and like fuck you you're the the, the black and white is simple You're kicking most of the people – already, most of the membership wasn't on the health plan, but the people who were, you're kicking most of them off during a pandemic. That's it. And and the fact that you, uh, as a board of trustees, have been running a health plan that apparently has been living paycheck to fucking paycheck – that's totally yeah. on you. That's terrible management, and it goes. and I know that the health plan is, you know, the first thing I guess they said in this webinar is the health plan is separate from from the union. It's a separate entity. But no, that's not true. the The, the union leadership should have stepped in. I mean, if if that's true, then why was Gabrielle Carteris on the webinar? Why was if it's separate? So I think I think the leadership of the union is just has. Is it, it, whether it's incompetent or corrupt, it doesn't matter. They failed. This is a failure.
1: Yeah. And what's, what's kind of weird was I, I was talking to my mom about it a little bit, but I'm still kind of unclear because I asked another member, a union member. I was like, what is this deal? Uh, cause now they're also doing this to their 65 and older union members. And at 65, every American citizen automatically gets Medicare. But what I was from what how I was explained was they would still have to. Uh, I don't remember. It's like some. They would still have to opt in, or uh, they would still have to pay because even though they have private insurance, I can't remember what the deal was. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm not. Like sure. when you use your own insurance,
2: uh, like
1: it was just it was just a weird thing. It was like they would still have to opt in.
2: Well, I know that their insurance, I mean, I I was looking at it through the prism of how it affects me because I'm terribly selfish. Uh, (laughs) But, 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 you know, so I was looking at what is this going to cost me? What does this mean? You know, first of all, they're throwing my wife off, off, off the plan because she's employed and she can get insurance through her work, which is true about her work, too. So if I qualify for the SAG insurance, I have to take it um and pay and f- for just me the quarterly premiums are more expensive now than they were with a family of three uh, before so if you
1: qualify for the insurance you have to take it or you have to say I have my own insurance or can you say I have my
2: own insurance I don't need yours well if I don't the good thing thankful thing for me in my situation is my wife has a job uh, and they have insurance through their work. She hasn't been on their insurance. She's been on mine because mine has been better. Uh, but right. now SAG is throwing her – SAG says she's ineligible if she can get insurance elsewhere. And her insurance is the same thing. So if – but if I don't qualify, then I can go on to her insurance but if i do qualify i have to stick uh, to sag okay. insurance because her insurance has the same rule that sag now does um so there's that rigmarole uh, and then the the question of is it more expensive to put uh, my son on hers or to keep him on mine we're still working out those numbers with her insurance but uh, like seriously I, I looked at mine and it's you know it's if she was on my insurance still, family of three, it's more than twice what it was before. Uh, and and not to mention when I started, when I first joined the union, there were no quarterly premiums. If you if you qualified for the insurance plan one or plan two, there were no there was none of that. That didn't kick in until uh, like ten years into into my career. So so it's been a constant chipping away. Uh, At at benefits For my entire career And and this is You know Really sudden Great change But it's I guess it shouldn't be That surprising to anybody Because they've been Chipping away at all our shit Ever since I mean it's the same way I think it's The industry itself Chips away At how much money we make they find sure. they find ways around it. They find, you know, what used to be a guest star is now a one day guest star. You have three scenes in, in a half hour show that used to that used to be a guest star and you'd have a week's worth of work and you get paid well. But now they, they shoot you all out in a day. So it's a one day guest star. Same amount of fucking work. You just do it all in one goddamn day, uh, uh, which is really more work and more stressful. But and and then and then they don't pay shit. So they find ways to screw screw us, and that, and it's just it sucks that the union has, as far as I have been able to tell, the union has never really been great about getting in front of that shit, uh, and and now it just feels like they've completely turned on their membership with this health plan stuff. It's it's uh, it, it it gives the FICOR core actors a, a lot of. A lot of fodder for an argument for be, doing non-union work uh, which is something that I have been against because I feel like that that chips away at our, our bargaining power it chips chips away at, at our power um, but the the more the union chips away at us the more it's like well you can't blame a FICOR actor for going out and doing non-union stuff at this point because they're probably, yeah, it's a- probably paying for COBRA anyway and how do you afford that shit
1: and how do you, why would you even, I don't know. I mean, this is such a nerdy thing to say, but I would never get insurance from a company named after a GI Joe villain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, like Cobra, I What's don't know. It? The name just doesn't imp- it just doesn't imply, Hey, you're okay. You're safe. It's like, no, it's like, give us your stuff. And if you move too quick, I'm going to fucking bite you. You're right. It's and and that's kind of what SAG did with this, and I think the timing. I think a lot, uh, some of it too, in my in my situation when I saw it, I was just like, well, somebody it the union needs to teach a class on timing, because if you guys are surprised that everyone's pissed at you, uh, where are we right now? Where are we right now? Hello, Katie, <laughs> and. Uh, we're in a situation where everybody needs health insurance right now. And for, for the union to pull this kind of shit in the situation that we're in, especially now that we're in the middle of a massive heat wave in California, you know, it was in death Valley. It was like 130. Yeah. Yesterday.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: we're, we're in, you know, people in California. Yes. If you're listening from another state, yes, we complain a lot, but Hey, I'm sitting in a 95 degree house right now because our AC was pushing so hard that when we turned it on at 82, the it still kept going up as our AC was running. So I was just like, "You poor old bastard," and shut it off.
2: Yeah, and we um, get brown.
1: We're in dire straits here right now.
2: Yeah, and brown at constant brownouts and everything else.
1: Yeah, California's in a situation. We may not be in a drought, but we got some other problems, and of course, we're on fire again because every year. Yeah. So for SAG to decide this is the time to do this like they all just need to be lined up and just slapped three Stooges style, just like in a great big line.
2: Yeah. Maybe
1: a a couple nut punches too.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's inarguably at this point, I would say a, a terribly run organization and is in, in dire need of an overhaul. And, uh, and I was not, I did not vote for Matthew Modine either. Uh, I didn't think he was a great uh, 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 answer to our problems, uh, but perhaps I was wrong. Uh, I voted, I guess, third party because our union has been divided into these two major parties over the last couple of decades, I guess. And I don't. Which is li- weird. It's very strange. It, it's it's very anti-union. It's called
1: a union. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. union. It shouldn't be like, you know. I'm a union, I'm in union, but I'm a Republican. I'm in union, but I'm a Democrat. It's like, who gives a shit? We're all in the same union. You guys are supposed to be like, we're supposed to be looking out for each other, not for, you know, each other, as long as, you know, they're rich like me.
2: Yeah. Or they're and it, poor like me. It doesn't help that, because the, 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 the people I voted for, for various offices, I, 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 I was very diligent in looking them all up, trying to figure out what they, were standing for, who they were, what their experience was, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the people that I voted for for various offices, none of them were affiliated with either of those two parties. They were independent. Uh, they made sense, but they all had one thing in common uh, that that uh, Gabriel Carteris and Matthew Modine don't have, is that they were, they were working class uh, actors. They weren't famous or formerly famous Actors, They were working class actors. And I think that those are the people who understand what the majority of the membership goes through and and what they need. People like Matthew Modine and Gabrielle Carteris do not have the perspective to help the working class. I I mean, it's 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 very reflective of what the national politic is in that we, we constantly it's all about old rich white guys telling us what to do. And and it, it just seems like, well, when are we going to shift to uh, an actual working class person uh, uh, representing the country and, and, and helping out the majority of the country?
1: Uh, yeah. Cause I, I think it was, wasn't, didn't Parvish uh, Chiva, didn't he, didn't he like want to run for one of the off like board seats or something? But I was, I was like, I'd vote for him any day. You know, it'd be nice to see some Asian people, you know, I'm East Asian, he's South Asian. It would just be nice to see some Asian people sure. in general on the board at SAG.
2: Yeah, I um, agree.
1: You know, cause it's like, well, it's Amy Aquino. It's like, Amy Aquino ain't me. Like
0: right. she's
1: not Asian, you know? Uh, it, it seems like, uh, and not just with SAG, but with everywhere, uh, I've always felt as an, as a South, as an East Asian, that East Asians, we're kind of, um, I don't want to put people in places, but it feels like we're kind of like fourth, fifth place when it comes to like things and especially within Hollywood. And cause it, it, it's, it's like white, black, Latinx, Hispanic, South Asian and then Asian because, uh, South Asia. I've seen more South Asians on TV than I do East Asians, and I and I think it's great, but it's not it's not representative of, of my side of Asia. And I love that that now that these these South Asian people are getting to do these actors are getting to do things other than hello come again, you know that kind of. Crap. <laughs> like, and you know they like I don't having-
2: I don't wanna I don't wanna like say I'm woke and shit because I'm not. But uh, I was never that big into Simpsons my my roommates in college watched it all the time and I never fucking liked a poo I was always like what what is this it's not one it's is it just funny because he talks that way because then like people like people white people uh, you know would start doing the accent like isn't that hilarious I can do a poo and I was like I, no, no none of it's funny it was never funny yeah, to me. It's,
1: and what's sad about that is that you know, back at that time it was like anybody can voice anybody it's fine whatever do it it's just voice it's and some people some of my voice actor friends to this day are like it's just acting and i'm like i get that but you're white Mm -hmm. i'm not so i feel weird when i'm getting these casting calls for like well here's a prime example so i got a casting call for gears of war 5 for the lead character who's a badass Mm -hmm. but originally the casting call said new zealand accent the character is designed after this person and it's a very famous rugby player in new zealand that's in like her 50-ish i don't know i think i well the nda is long gone so i don't give a fuck um but she was she's this very famous rugby player in new york and she's like in her in in, uh, new zealand and she's like in her 40s and she's got that very strong kiwi like and she's maori on top of it so she's got this really beautiful melodic you know, voice to like it's this timber that I could never do. I can do Australian a little bit. I can kind of do like the only things from New Zealand I can really do are like, you know, fly to the Concord. So like Brit. Brett? Brit. No, my name's Brit. (laughs) So I, I took a couple passes at it and then I just thought I can't do this. And I don't feel right auditioning for this role because I'm not Maori and, you know, I take this stuff kind of, you know, it's like, this woman actually exists. That was the other thing, was like, the person they're modeling this after actually exists. The last thing I want to do is do some shitty version of that. And so I passed. But my, my friend, who's who's been in video games for a very long time, said, what you should do is you should just do it. But do it, he's like, just send it anyway, but send it with, like, a different take. Because basically when the game came out, uh, you'll notice that the character is no longer, she no longer has a New Zealand accent. She's, um, she's voiced by this very talented woman named Laura Bailey. The characters, the the color, everything's changed about this character. So I kind of did like shit the bed that I didn't send something in, but at the time I just didn't feel right about it. And I've done it before too, with other roles. I'm just like, this is not me. I can't do this. I don't want to be disrespectful of it. Um, I had an acting teacher tell me that I would die on that cross. Mm hmm. You know, but of course, it was like a white guy. So you're right. I, you know, it, and I, I know it's different in VO, but it's not. I mean, you've got because the problem with Apu, no pun intended, on the actual documentary short film that came out about it was that my problem was that Apu was saying some really good things, but it was masked behind this really thick stereotypical accent.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, he. Like the one where they do the civil war and he's like, yeah, it's Indians. You could be an Indian. And and Apu just goes, you know what, Mr. Simpson, I, Homer, I can't even begin to start like so many things wrong in what you just said. Mm -hmm. And so he would say these intelligent things, but because of the dialect, you just go, ho, ho, ho. And I think as weird as it sounds, Harold and Kumar kind of covered that perfectly. Yeah.
2: Like I love uh I the, love Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yeah, it's one of my faves.
1: Yeah, and so those douchebag guys that always steal the parking space and they always say that weird stuff to to Harold and Kumar and with Kumar it's always like sorry, come again and yeah. they yell all these weird douchebaggy things. And and that can that can be a problem. And it's yeah, so it's I don't even know where I was going with this. Like basically every time someone sees an Asian person, like we don't all look alike. We're not all, we don't know everybody, right? You know, I'm Korean. Yeah. But I don't know the dry cleaner down the street or 50 miles away in your hometown. Like it's like, don't assume just because one Asian person does something that I agree with that. It's not true. Um, but sometimes I feel abandoned a little bit, like as an Asian and in Hollywood, I, there's a, a kind of a feeling of abandonment and it's true that it's still kind of true with the exception of, um, the rich Asians
2: Oh, uh, Crazy rich Asians
1: Crazy yeah. rich Asians Yeah they're, You know Everybody assumes That if a movie's Full of Asian people It's gonna be One of three things It's gonna be Joy Luck Club mm-hmm. Or a Kung Fu movie mm-hmm. Or Freaking Hentai Who knows You know Like You could put dis- you, they, could, just-
2: you could put Joy Luck Fight Club Together With a, a, a Martial arts film Like mash them up you can call it joy, yeah. joy luck fight club
1: joy luck
0: fight
1: Fight joy luck club <laughs> call and, and and that's the other thing that i you know i i i am grateful however that i'm no longer being sent auditions where it's like you want chinese what you want baby you yeah. know it's like i don't have to do those accents anymore but um there was one time i did hear that dialect and it was in a dude where's my car uh, dude where's my car when they would order oh
2: the Chinese, the Chinese food yeah food. yeah yeah
1: I went to college in Idaho and there was a uh, a bowling alley and the diner was always open to like three four o'clock in the morning so we'd go to the diner and it was a Chinese restaurant and um, the lady she was uh, the, the woman that owned it she was Chinese but I think she kind of put on it a little she put the accent on a little bit thicker when she would come out to uh, to get orders and stuff because people loved her, but it was still kind of like, what you want, baby? Okay, what else you want? You mm-hmm. want fries? Okay, baby, I got your stuff, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, in a weird place like Idaho, it's weird to, to to feel like I'm code switching. And for those of you that are kind of like, what's well, code switching? Code switching, I think the best example of code switching would be like, uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's seen Office Space, but code switching was when, um you know david herman's listening to gangster rap in his car on the way to work and then the black guys pull up next he like turns the volume way down and then once
2: red rolls um, up his window or, like, yeah.
1: yeah and or like when you see key and peel are pr- really good examples of this too on their on their series where they had one where the guy's like talking on the phone like Ke- uh, keegan's like yeah baby i got the tickets for the orchestra like front row everything and Jordan comes out on his phone and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, baby, I got the Yeah. Yeah. So I got them tickets. Shit. Yeah. I got them. I got them. And,
0: and right,
1: Jordan's right. like, yeah, bro, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden as they walk away from each other, Jordan's like, Oh my God, Christian, I almost got mugged. So it's, you know, like I feel like sometimes when I'm somewhere I have to code switch a lot. And, um, in LA, I feel like that too, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Which means I, I get a lot of calls for like um, for a lot of Hispanic roles and stuff like that. And normally if this was about fifteen years ago, I'd be like, sure, no problem. But now it's a problem. Like even for me when I see Ken Jong, who's Korean, playing, you know, Senior Chang, who's Chinese, it still feels like even though I love community, a lot of these shows it, it's still I feel like Asians are still interchangeable. Right. Because you know, uh, James Kyson Lee, who was on Heroes, he played a Japanese guy, he's Korean too. Mm -hmm. So it's not not fair, I don't feel it's fair for me when I'm like, you know I'm Korean, like I was pitching the show and I got, they were like, they kind of pulled me aside and said just on the low key, they're kind of looking for content from people of color. And I said, well, I'm Asian, I'm half Asian, and my writing partner's half Asian. But because we don't look... I mean, my, my writing partner looks white. You would never know he was half Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, I didn't even know until he told me. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, kitty, kitty. <laughs> yeah, cat, it was a kitty. He's
2: done puking on my carpet, so he thought I'd get up and get on my back. I don't
1: know about... See, cats... I, I would love to have a cat someday. Like, my dog loves cats, but here's the thing about cats... Everybody says they're independent, but it's like, why do I got to clean your box? And then if I get mad, if you get mad, I didn't clean it properly. I'm going to go take a fucking turd and put it on your bed or.
2: Like, yeah, they do. do my, that. my,
1: my, yeah. My biggest argument for why I have a dog is like, at least when a dog pukes, it has the courtesy to come back and like eat it. <laughs> <laughs> when a cat pukes, it just fucking pukes and then looks at you and just goes and you know, <laughs> like, well, like, what are you gonna do? Like, at least with puke, if you leave it there for a couple seconds, I don't do that, by the way. But if you, you know, I've had times where my my big dog would puke, and I'm like, I go to get the broom and stuff to come clean it up, and it's gone. Yeah. So I'm just like, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah. Hey. Unless they
2: don't burrows. They go puke in your go bed. eat your puke. Go eat your yeah. puke. I don't want to clean that They'll up. Puke
1: in your bed. They'll puke <laughs> on the stairs.
2: They'll puke in your
1: laundry and your shoes. Like.
2: I, I got a question for you uh, about the uh, the Asian Hollywood experience. Did you ever see the Crank movies with Jason you Statham? Know, I,
1: I didn't. I didn't. But I've I've seen some other ones that I'm just like, come on, really? Like Sin City is really like kind of toes the line. Uh,
0: well, in a cra- bit.
2: the reason why I ask in Crank Two High Voltage, uh, they they there was uh, I mean this is this these movies are are not uh, correct. I know it's something any, like he has level. to keep
1: his heart rate at a certain, yeah, and it,
2: certain yeah, and there, like speed, but with a heart. Yeah. And they're wildly inappropriate movies. So there, there, there's a lot of political incorrect humor that it, that it, it, it tap dances uh, on the line of, uh, but one of the things they did, which was funny to me. And I wonder if, if it, if it, If I'm racist because I thought it was funny That's why I'm asking But what they did was they had uh, They had this Asian gang Situation And they hired a a bunch of Asian actors Who could speak uh, Languages Other languages than English But they were all From all different parts of the world Sure. So they were all speaking In different languages to each other And then they just subtitled them Whatever they wanted them to say uh, the joke being, you know, uh, white people are too dumb to know that we're doing this. So I just wonder wh- how, what do you think of that? Is that funny? Is it funny to pull over a joke on an entire audience that only Asian people would understand? Or is it uh, dicey to have a bunch of people talking in different okay, languages? Okay, so and they same were talking the
1: with no. S- with no subtitles. So you could, so if well, you didn't speak that language specifically, you couldn't understand what they were saying. Is that what you mean? It, it,
2: in other words, if you spoke any, any number of these given languages, it wouldn't match the subtitles. They put up the dialogue from the movie, whatever dialogue they wanted. So what the people were okay. saying was not what the dialogue was at all. They were just like improv your, are in your language go, you know, and they were talking to each other in completely different languages too.
1: Yeah, that's not cool. I mean, there's 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 situations where if you're just if you're gonna do that, just I would just rather you not do subtitles at all. Like um like uh what we do in the shadows. Do you watch that show?
2: Yeah, it's very funny on
1: FX. Okay, do you notice that when you hear people talking in different languages, they don't subtitle them, which makes it even more interesting. Like the one with the ghosts, uh, season two, episode two. They, uh, they bring back their ghosts and of course, um, shit, Nandor, Nandor's ghost speaks Al-Kanadaris or he speaks Farsi and we don't get to hear what he's saying or we don't get to understand what he's saying, which is funnier because when he's like, Guillermo, what did he say? He's like, I don't fucking know. He's like, how am I supposed to know? Uh, and I actually had to, I went through Reddit to see what he was actually saying. And it's actually quite, it was quite funny and I, but I think without those subtitles, I like, I, I hope that when they bring out the DVDs or whatever, that they put those subtitles in. Uh, because in Farsi, when he was attacking the light bulb, the lamp, he's like, What are you? What are you sting And you are magic, da, da da And then when they're sitting side by side and doing their interview, he's basically calling, uh, Vampire Nandor shameful for, for not remembering his language and this and that. And, um, we learn the horse's name is it actually means his name jahan actually means something in farsi i think it means i can't remember what it's like loyalty or something like that but it it it, kind of shows that nandor is so far uh colonized so to speak that he call he doesn't even remember his horse's name is actually jahan and not john Uh
0: uh-huh
1: and and so we see a lot of that and even with uh with the final episode of season two with uh and and he also calls uh colin an idiot during the seance where they bring the horse back uh even with guillermo when he's at his mother's house uh they don't subtitle any of the things she says and she's basically she's offering them cookies and this and that and then he says you know i have a refrigerator uh from i have a refrigerator from a a friend who died and she's like oh he died and she's like he's like no 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 he kind of died but then he came back and then you know he's like i have to go to staten island (laughs) So sometimes it's it's fun. Yeah, the fridge is in Staten Island. So sometimes it's fun to not be a part of those things. And so I think if Crank would have just done that, but it just were if the actors were, you know, worth their salt, they would be able to, to trans to not translate, but to communicate what they're saying without us actually having to know what they're saying. Yeah. So things like that where they take someone's language and then they just like if I said like, como esta, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, I like fat dicks, which is not what I said and which is what it sounds like they did in Crank. That would piss me off.
2: Well, it wasn't, me off to no end. it wasn't that they were taking what people were saying and translating it as they saw as what they thought they were saying—it just what they, they were what they were saying the didn't stuff. matter. They were just yeah, because it was a foreign language. But the only way you would pick that up is if you, you know, know those languages or at least one, and know oh, that's not what they're saying. Um, yeah, that's yeah, what. Happened sometimes with that.
1: if you go to to IM their IMDb's, if you go into the section, it used to just be called trivia, but now it's called Did You Know? Uh, if you go into that did you know section, sometimes it will say uh, – it will it will translate what was said in oh, those parts okay. that, that aren't – yeah, so you can actually read what was said. Um, yeah, because if you're just – and and if they don't tell their their transcribers this stuff, it sucks. Like I've worked in transcription. I'll never fucking do it again. It is the most tedious thing on the planet because not only do you have to – Uh, write down what they're, type out everything they're saying, but you have to also include pauses, and if they go, um, uh, shit, let me start again, then you have to type all that in, and Mm -hmm. then do it again. And it's like, you know, like, 15 minutes of them talking can, it it can almost, it can take, if you're worth, I don't know, it it would usually take about an hour Mm -hmm. to two hours to to transcribe, so, you know, so Hollywood, of course, in their infinite laziness, will send out their scripts already to the transcription places. Um, But what's funny about that is that sometimes the show makes changes before it comes out and they don't tell the transcription people. So if you watch shows like scrubs, you'll actually see different dialogue than what was in there in the first place. Huh? Uh, Or you might read the original dialogue, but then they say something different and it gives you a whole new perspective on what's going on. I see. Um, so it's just uh, I mean it's always going to be like that It's like the difference between spelling hoe Like that hoe over there Or the hoe that you used to dig with Like it's H-O people <laughs> And then the hoe you used to dig with is H-O-E It's going to be the your and your
2: thing Forever with the word hoe <laughs> Yeah people aren't really good at that I, I You know it's funny uh, Talking about I I got a job early in my career on a show called Becker
1: No, I know that show <laughs> It's all Ted Dancing, right? Yeah
2: and I went in It was like a last minute audition Right and I have no idea What happened or why This was the case but the, the, It was the same you know the same day audition You gotta get down you gotta get down to the studio And read for the producers on this thing Right now oh, okay I'm desperate here I go and I'm, I'm in the waiting room looking at the, the sides, you know, because you had to go there to get them because it was that last minute. And the sides were – it was for a, a Chinese menu delivery guy. <laughs> and all the uh, dialogue was written in broken English. Like the bit was broken English. But they – <laughs> maybe someone that went was me. maybe someone went hey you know this seems racist and they were like oh shit <laughs> we can't have a but you know this is like the turn of the century so i don't know what well, i don't know how woke people were back then or why but it was weird because then you know i'm saying do you want me to audition with this broken english because i'm i'm not going to do that that's weird <laughs> So basically, they just, you know, had me improvise the dialogue for the audition. It was it was a very strange way to get a job. Um, it's
1: yeah, but what what dialect were you using? Was
2: it like Russian?
1: No, no, it was it, a Chinese no, they guy. Were like,
2: with it was written as a, a oh, Chinese sure. man with broken English, and then they they brought in a bunch of white dudes at the last minute to, to take the place. Of the guy
1: It's so weird Like when When white Like you get And it's mostly Kind of Older Hollywood And I hate to Like When I say Older Hollywood I'm talking like 40, 50 year olds People that are like My age Because I don't know How old you are But that are like Oh it's fine It's fine It'll be fine Like whoever Greenlit That kid to play uh, What's his face In Dragon Ball Z That was like Come on Right Uh, Because Goku yeah, to, Goku is supposed to be half Japanese. I'm like that. Kid, that guy, kid doesn't even look half Japanese. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, okay. So my writer friend, he's half Indonesian, and but he's, you know, he's he's he looks white, but he's. I should have known better because his skin was like t- was was dark as dark as mine. But it's like that that one kid who's half Japanese, half white. There's no way. Like that's not Goku. Like, you know, and 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 a lot of people freaked out, and as well they should have, and it was just like the same thing with. You know Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell. It's mm-hmm. like why, why? Well, you and know, I why?
2: I'm, I'm surprised people. When you get to the level of a movie star, I'm confused as to why you would die on that cross. Like I want to play this uh, uh, part that was, you know, should be inhabited by an Asian person or whatever. You know, for for me, it's like it's like accents. I don't I don't generally uh, do them if if someone wants me to audition for a show with an accent I generally say no no find somebody from the friggin' country uh, who has the accent because we don't need to do that anymore and I know I know that, that there's that argument like it's acting we're inhabiting other characters and I'm like Fine. but would you you know if somebody wanted you as a white person to play a black person would you no, you 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 wouldn't unless you're absolutely <laughs> out of your fucking mind. So so I I also don't I don't like it when British people do American accents because most of them suck at it. Even the yeah. ones who are there even is. the ones who are good at it slip up, and I go ah Hugh Laurie, I heard that I fucking heard that. Um, so I, and usually, I don't want to um... do that. I, yeah, I don't want to do. I, I don't want to do that to people. I don't want to have people, like, play a British guy and have that take people out of the story. I, I just don't understand. So I certainly, like, knowing that, and I've—and multiple times in auditions I've been—when I'm auditioning for a gay character, which—and I've played a number of gay characters, um, but— like if they gayer. tell me to have more fun with it, which is the casting code for, or at least it used to be for, be super gay. Yeah, yeah, make them, make it more stereotypically gay. I don't do that. Yeah, I don't do that. Um, so I, I can't imagine why. Like, and I understand it's voiceovers, but why would you take a role of a, a black character if you're white? I just don't. I don't.
1: They don't I, do I don't that care. anymore. Like some of the. Uh, when I get when I get sides from my agent now, it's like must be African American, must be da 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 da. Um, I'm like, how are they gonna check? I, I'm like, like in my mind, I'm like, that's great, but how are they gonna check unless do we have to send headshots now with their stuff? But um, right. Yeah, when everyone people say it's just acting, there are some places where it is just acting, but sometimes that just acting is for the wrong reasons. Like, okay, so going back to Miss Scarlett Johansson. Cause she was kind of a wise ass about this so i'm going to get on her um a couple years ago do you remember when she was going to play tech skill mm-hmm. uh and and because and they had mistakenly labeled tech skill was this famous kind of gangster type in uh, philadelphia and she was known as uh well i should say he trans masculine uh but Every news outlet on the planet kept saying transgender, and Scarlett was going to play this transgendered person. Mm. So of course,
2: I do. Everybody's like, why
1: not just get a transgendered person? And then that's when I jumped in and said, well, here's the problem: Tex Gill was not transgendered; she's transmasculine, or he's transmasculine. Transmasculine is when you are so like if I said, okay, my name is my name is now Rob. Uh, you know you live as a man but you're still a woman and there are men that are very trans feminine and they identify that way and what's and so that is acting yes I mean there's plenty of straight people who play gay plenty of gay people who play straight that's fine but what I my feeling was was when you look at the character she was going to play it felt to me like she was trying to pull the quote unquote ugly for Oscars like mm-hmm. with Nicole Kidman did with *The Hours*, Charlize with *Monster*, mm-hmm. um, and so that to me just smacked of, I want to play this character because I just, you know, he's so, uh, you know, I'm, he's so ugly, I'm gonna have to like, you know, and she, uh, that I'm gonna win an Oscar for this for fucking sure. But she was like, things that she wasn't willing to do, like she, she's gonna wear a fat suit and this and that, and I was just like, Ugh. Uh, but the thing was, was when you looked at Tech's guilt, she uh leah delaria looks almost like tex gill's twin and tex gill loved to sing jazz leah delaria loves to sing jazz leah also like i i don't think i've ever seen leah delaria in a dress and if you're going who the fuck is leah delaria leah delaria was um big boo on orange is the new black uh I started campaigning for her to get the role because she does. I mean, everything that tech skill kind of personified Leah, Leah Delaria does as well, especially with the jazz singing. Like if you've never, if you have a chance to see Leah live, do it like fuck Jeff Goldberg and his like Mildred Sixer orchestra at whatever bar here in LA, go see Leah Delaria and then go see Jeff Goldberg, Goldblum, you know, he's support everybody, I guess, but Leah first. Um, <laughs> And so that's, that's, that's where the problem lies with me when it's like, it's just acting. Yeah. There's other roles where, yes, it's just acting. Like Brian Cranston being in a wheelchair for that movie that he did with Kevin Hart. Sure. Um, and a lot of, a lot of disabled people were like, yeah, I was like, yeah, but that's, that's a little bit different though. Like if you actually had someone, you know, th- sometimes it's a little more difficult that way, but it's just a matter of how much the studio wants to how open they are like, thank God they got, you know, the kid, uh, on breaking bad who had, who has cerebral palsy. And, and they, they like highlighted that without going, Oh, look, our kids a cripple or whatever. Right. Right. Like the, or speechless. I loved speechless. I thought it was such a great show. Um,
2: I was on an episode of that show.
1: Yeah. I just, I mean, it's, it was a way to, I, it, it just kind of baffles my mind still that we still have to present disabled people as harmless, you know, yeah. or like back in the fifties where it was like, well, why was this black guy so much more revered than this black guy? Cause he's, I was like, cause he's the, he's what we call the, what do you call, um, harmless black man. Right. You know, it's like
2: a magical, and, and, a magical Negro. Is that the, yeah, phrase? magical
1: Negro. And it's like, you know, or it's like little Richard songs, Got even bigger when Pat Boone sang them, you know that because it was like it seemed less, uh, less non-threatening black man. That's the word I'm looking for.
2: Non-threatening. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Non-threatening black man. So it's, it's, and that's what we were raised on. And we were raised that, you know, I grew up near a military base, so I knew it was different. But we were raised to like through TV and and everything else, we raised to believe that the darker the skin, the badder they have to be. They must just all be fucking gangsters you know, and, or like Asian people, the thicker their accent, like they, like the more stereotypical they are. Like, I grew up in a different situation. My father was in the military. My mother and father met when he was in Korea during Vietnam. And uh, they, so I grew up on a military, around military bases and around military wives where it was, you know, not unusual and it was actually par for the course. If if you saw a white guy, like 90 90% sure his wife's going to be Korean, because because that's just how it was for me. And
0: uh, <laughs> I had
1: always grown sure, I'd always sure. grown up around black people, so it was like it, for me, racism was never a thing, which is weird. Growing up in a small place in Alaska, like black guys dating white white girls, white girls dating uh, or white guys dating black girls or Asians or whatever. It was never weird. And, and for growing up in a farm town and never not, never knowing what racism was until I actually moved was, my was kind of interesting.
2: F- my friend, uh, Joe Holt, who, uh, I did his podcast, uh, which weirdly is the same name as your podcast. Uh, and he, <laughs> he, uh, he grew up, Uh, as the son of a military man. So he grew up on military bases and he said the same thing uh, about the cross section of races that he grew up with uh, on a military base. And he said that that was, that was the thing that he really loved about growing up in the military uh, was, was that thing.
1: Um, Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes you might be the only you might be the only Asian kid in your class, but it's, it's, you know, or half, but it's like, uh, when I went to the junior high school, cause the way it used to be set up was that all the kids, they either did elementary on the base or in the town that, or in the small farm town that was seven miles away. But all the kids from the farm town would go to the junior high school on the military base. And then, uh, all the military kids would come back into our town for high school So uh, but it's all changed now, I think. But um, so it was like it was nice to not be the only Asian kid. It was it was like the class would the classroom would be like dominated by half Asians. It was like it would be nothing to be in a classroom of like 16 and have like probably like eight of them. Be Asian American, and then a couple of Native American, and, and but we always had a cross section. I never felt like it was a, a weird situation until I moved to a city. I moved to Fairbanks, and there was only one black guy in the graduating class, uh, and there was only two in the school, and one of them was the super. His dad was a superintendent. No, there was like five, but it was just weird to go from like a, a pretty well mixture to like white, with a few things sprinkled in you know, and then that's kind of where the direction seems to be going.
2: Yeah. No, you grew up where? I I grew up in a, well, I grew up in Massachusetts in a small, wealthy, almost entirely white town. So, and I always, I never liked it there. Like I, I had a lot of problems there and I, 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 I didn't know why. And I, maybe just in retrospect, I just feel like there are too many fucking white people in that town. Is it
1: like the Virgin suicides movie? Yeah,
2: I guess. Um, I know you gotta, you gotta wrap up your show. And I of course have to go clean up this cat vomit off my (laughs) carpet. Is it still there? (laughs) Yeah. It's sitting there. Just,
1: Oh my God. I have to tell you the funniest story. So my friend Andrew, he's an actor. He, uh, his wife uh, put on Twitter, like one of the cats had puked on the stairs. So she took a picture of it and she's like, I'm not gonna clean this up. I'm just gonna wait and see how long it takes. And at that time it was her husband and their three kids. So there's plenty of people in this house and and a dog. And uh, so she takes a picture of it, comes back about four or five hours later, takes another picture, still there. Cause she's like, I'm waiting to see how long it takes before one of these guys notices it and cleans it up. (laughs) And I think at the end of it, it had been there overnight and, <laughs> and no one had touched it. And I, I was like, well, I, I hate to I hate to burst your bubble, baby. But like if it was there, <laughs> yeah. I would pretend I didn't see it either. We had a dead bird in the house and I literally pretended not to see it because one of the dogs had brought a bird in. I pretended not to see it because it was in front of one of my roommate's doors. So I was like, fuck it. I don't I don't see it. I went to the bathroom. And then I went downstairs and I was just like, nope, I still don't fucking see it. And I thought for sure, I hear my roommate come out of his room. I thought for sure he'd probably step on it or something. And I hear him go downstairs and, and take a shower. I come out, bird's still fucking there. So I ended up having to throw it away. But that bird literally sat there oh. for like four or five hours. And I put it on Instagram. So if you want to see that dead bird, it's <laughs> my Instagram is at CR1XLEE. Um, <laughs> But it is a real dead bird. I did not enjoy touching it
2: <laughs> with <Okay>. gloves. <laughs>
1: gloves. Actually... I wore gloves. Anyway. Do so...
2: Hey, can I plug something before uh, you you finish your show?
1: Absolutely. You plug anything you want.
2: Well, I uh, wrote and self-published a novel through uh, Amazon uh, called the Headache Man. It's a horror novel uh, about a guy who has chronic pain mm-hmm. that only goes away when he kills people. So uh, I just wanted to let people know to to buy my novel, The Headache Man.
1: The Headache Man. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Actually, I, I'm going to get that.
2: <laughs> Please. Is it do. available
1: on Kindle or?
2: Yeah, it... there's a Kindle edition and a paperback. You can get whatever you want.
1: You can have whatever you like. Well, Todd, thanks for being on this show. I really appreciate it, man.
2: Thank you for you having me. Fun. I I learned so much. Uh, I, it's it's great to have to understand the Asian experience in in acting. It's it's. I mean, I am aware of a lot of the hurdles, but it's it's cool to have them, you know, made more explicit in my head. It's very interesting.
1: And for you listeners, you know, you may not agree with everything I say, or you may not agree with everything, you know, I do, but I just want you to know that I love you and it's okay to have differing opinions. If we all sang the same note, it would be boring as shit. So, um, so yeah, just take care unless of your
2: opinions are, unless your opinions are, unless you're are a Nazi, then you I don't want to hear the yourself. Nazi ones.
1: Yeah. Unless you're a Nazi or uh, a Trump supporter, I don't really want to hear from you at all. Um, and I kind of hope you get <laughs> sucker punch. I don't condone violence, but I mean, like a sucker punch would be nice, and then maybe a pat on the head. Anyway, this is Crixley from the Toddcast signing off. I love you.